Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to stop time, to just hit pause and breathe? Or at the very least, what I've been longing for lately is kind of a button to just slow it down. Almost like those big red staples buttons that used to they used to sell. You slap it and it's like that was easy. My brother used to have one. Drove me nuts. But I wish there was a button that you could just you could just pull back and and kind of step outside of time. And maybe it's for me it's when my kids are kind of getting along and you're like, oh man, they're finally getting along. They're playing well together. I just don't want to do anything to disturb them. Um, or actually it. I find I miss them when, when they go to bed, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm looking through pictures. I'm like, they were so cute today. Then you think you hear one of them, and you're like, oh, please sleep, please sleep. <laughs> but maybe it's just a stressful season, and you just want to hit pause to be able to step outside of work and to be able to just think straight. Or perhaps it's a Christmas gathering, and you have your family around, and you're, you're not sure if this might be the last time that all these people are in this room. There's just something that seems so great about that and something that seems so peaceful about that option. And tonight, we're, we, we've lit the candle of peace. Last week, we, uh, we talked about getting ready, and tonight we're talking about a peace delivered. But since we're wishing for things, I thought I'd also add to the list, rather than just stopping and pausing time, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go back in time to be able to just sit a little bit longer with loved ones that have gone on and, and you just wish that they would finish that story that they, they wanted to tell you, but you just never had time to really listen. Why is it that that seems so great? Because in the moment, if you actually lived in that moment, there was probably a lot of stress and commotion still going on. But I think one of the reasons is because we idealize it. We forget about those other stressors that are, that are happening. But more importantly, I believe it's too often because we're too busy to be fully present in the moment here and now. We're kind of focused on so many other things and we're spread thin. And sometimes it's not until we become empty nesters or our kids grow up and they kind of move on out of the house that you have the time and the space to be like, man, I, I remember when they were toddlers. I wish I could go back there. And sometimes it's after we've lost those loved ones that we wish we could go back, sit with them. I know for me, I had a great, great Aunt Muriel who had crazy stories about sitting under some of A.W. Tozer's teaching. Um, she went over to Burkina Faso and took the ship there over months and ministered there as a missionary for 30 years and just had story upon story to share. But as she wanted to share those with me, I kind of was like, okay, thanks, Aunt Muriel, and I'm moved on because I wanted to go play with my cousins. But oftentimes it's in those moments that when we get a chance to slow down, we realize how precious the present moments truly are. And you see, a lesson I've been learning the hard way this fall, and it hit me really hard this week, is you can't be present and busy. And this is why Advent is so meaningful and purposeful and important. It's because it reminds us to make space to be present to others and to Jesus 
and his work in our midst. This past week, I was actually here for the service of hope on Wednesday evening up in the sanctuary. And, and Cal Stafford, who, who spoke at the service, he, he spoke on Psalm 23, primarily verse 4, which reads, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And oftentimes we, we kind of grab hold of that word with, and we're like, yeah, God's with us. And it's a great word. I, I love that God's with us. But I don't know if you're anything like me. I sometimes feel like I'm striving, though, to get to that destination of being with God. But the word that actually should jump out is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. God's with us in the journey. God's with us as we're walking. No matter what it is we're facing, the highs, the lows, he's with us. And you see, as he started kind of explaining kind of how he saw this passage fit, I'm thinking, man, this is exactly what I needed to hear because I had been going through just a crazy fall this year. And I was just so encouraged and comforted to know that, yeah, God's there with his rod and his staff, the club to beat out any predators, to protect you, but that he's just journeying with you, that, he, that he's journeying with me, and that it's not this destination that I'm striving to get to, but that he's already present. But are we paying attention? Because like David, he's going through the, this valley of the shadow of death, he calls it. And the reason he knows that God is with him is because he's aware he, he's not caught up in everything else that's surrounding him, but he knows, he's paying attention. And I believe it's in the walking and the journeying that we receive the peace of Christ, the peace that Jesus offers. Just like when we go for a walk with a friend, it's, it's nice having someone with you. And I remember last summer, Landon and I went for a walk down to the creek by our house and it was so cute because we sat on this little ledge over a creek and he just kind of like put his arms back and he's like, ah, isn't this beautiful? And I'm like, it is, buddy. And then you could hear the bzzz of the hydro lines above and I'm like, let's just ignore that. But, but it's, it's nice to have someone to share the journey with, someone to, to share the moments and the memories with. So the question becomes, how do we slow down then in order to become more present? And this is where I feel Advent comes right into play. Because Advent is this season about making space. It's about preparing, and not just our homes, but it's about preparing our hearts and our lives to make space to be aware to, of God's presence. Like I've said a few times, it's been a hard week for me. Last week, I was so excited to have this service done on Saturday night get ready and do this whole parade and the Christmas tree lighting. And then it all got canceled. And part of me is like, oh man, I felt so bad for the community. And then they're like, hey, we're going to reschedule it. And it's like, yeah, you're excited. But then you realize how much comes with that. Now I know why some of the other cities were like, nope, it's just canceled. It's off the table. Because the city of Hamilton is hooking up the sewer system to the BAS. And they decided this week, they would open the roadway, which blocked the only parking lot to get in. And, and uh, 
just one thing after another. Some people who couldn't help out with certain events or people who were originally supposed to no longer can because of previous commitments. And we were scrambling. I was scrambling. And every night I was just, I was just pulling my hair out. And I'm like, I don't know if this is even going to happen. And if it does happen, I don't know if I'm going to live to see it. I was just done. Rescheduling is not easy. But then what actually became even harder was I began to let my guard down. I was getting tired, and I was just getting frustrated with people. And then on Wednesday, I was kind of called out on it in a good way. And it wasn't just directed solely at me, but it hit me hard because I realized what I had been letting happen. I had just been letting my own frustration and stress kind of just come out on people in the community, people I love, people in our church, people I love, and my family, people who, again, I love. And on Wednesday night, Amanda asked me if she could pray with me and pray for me. And I'm embarrassed to admit this as a pastor, but my first response was, what good will that do? It's embarrassing to actually admit that. But that's how hardened I'd become. I was just like, seriously, what good will that do? I am stressed to my eyeballs, and that doesn't take anything off my shoulders. But go for it. So she prayed for me, and I thought, thanks. At least I can try and sleep better tonight. But that next day on Thursday, things started happening. It wasn't as though things magically disappeared and that responsibilities were gone, but my perspective actually began to change. It actually was probably more of a stressful day than any other day in the week because, again, we had kind of had this meeting and assigned responsibilities, and a lot of the people that said they could help out in certain areas all emailed me and said they couldn't anymore. And I'm like, ah! (laughs) But what was so nice was my heart had changed. And I didn't even realize it quite at the time, but I just, okay, I understand, put it aside, asked for help, delegated certain things, made phone calls, and set it aside. And as the day went on, I was able to breathe easier. And then Alex had actually messaged me on the Wednesday night, and she had asked, her and I were supposed to meet on the Thursday evening, She'd ask, do you want to reschedule it because it's a crazy week? And I thought, well, it's already a crazy week, so let's just keep it crazy, and I'll take the break next week. And I love meeting with Alex. We talk about Christmas Eve and the New Year series and creative elements, and I really didn't want to cancel it. But on Thursday, it just kept resonating with me that you can't be present and busy. And I just laid there in the afternoon, and I thought, God, what do I need to do? What's most important? And I just got this sense that you need to just ask Alex to reschedule, and you need to be present with your family. So I messaged Alex, and she was fine with rescheduling, and I went downstairs, and I told Amanda, I'm like, I'm in for the night. And we made dinner together. We ate dinner as a family. That's when we told our kids about this Christmas tree of sharing, and we went to the Tim Hortons and picked one out and then went home and got some things on Amazon and 
I couldn't believe how the day was so much different after giving it to God. I read this article by another pastor who was at a conference and heard this from another pastor, so it's all in the line of work, I guess. But just simply the reminder, you can't be present and busy. And that just hit me like a knife because this whole fall, I've been present with a lot of people, but not really. I've been physically present, but my mind has been... It's been in a million different places. I'm with my family. I'm thinking about the next meetings. I'm, I'm at those meetings. I'm thinking about my family. And it's just been this snowball effect. I realized that I'd gotten so busy for so long that I'd gotten used to not being present. Just kind of going through the motions. You see, that was the first night in a long time that I truly felt present with my family, that I was able to engage them, that I was able to hang out with my kids. And it's tough to pull back and do those things because I love doing what I do. But I started realizing this was the message God was shaping for me to share. Because the whole week I kept laughing that I'm speaking on peace, but my life was anything but. But in Advent, as we create space and as we celebrate a peace delivered, even though it might feel like, what, really? Space, peace? Yeah. So here's what I want to focus on tonight. That peace isn't just about the elimination or the absence of war or disturbance. It's the gift of knowing that we're not alone. But in order to truly experience this, you have to be present. And as I keep saying, you can't be present and busy. You see, our English words, they just, they never do the biblical translation and the original languages justice. Uh, the English word for peace, it gives us more of this passive picture, one that shows absence of hostilities, a freedom from internal or external strife. But the biblical concept of peace kind of has the root word where you get shalom from. And, and it's so much larger than our definition. And it actually has these nuances that can be grouped into four categories. And the first is kind of this, this wholeness or completeness. The second is prosperity or success. The third is a victory over one's absence or over one's enemies, which would be the absence of war. But then the fourth one, and the one I want to zero in on tonight, is as right relationship or harmony between two parties or people, often established by a covenant. And when I read that, I thought, yes, that's the peace I've been striving for. Because peace isn't just about the elimination and the absence of war or disturbance. It's, it's the gift of knowing that we're not alone. It's the gift of being in a right relationship made, made possible with God through his son, Jesus. So last week, we talked about getting ready and how Jesus offers us the greatest gift exchange ever, where we can, we can exchange our presents that are filled with baggage and expectations, hopes, dreams, desires, grief, sadness. We can exchange our tangible presence for his presence. So this week, I, I want to lean into that gift of peace a little further. And that it reminds us that it's a 
the gift of knowing we're not alone. So Isaiah 9, 6 reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And that he comes to us in the midst of darkness and the messiness to tangibly demonstrate that we don't need to be afraid, that he's with us. But in order to know we're not alone, we need to be present. Man, we are the most connected generation on on this planet, and we're the most lonely. So it's not so much just about connecting and, and maybe even just physically being present. It's by being mentally present. It's by being aware of what's going on around us, of who is around us. We can't be present and busy. So don't be like me that when Amanda asks, can I pray for you? Think, what's that going to do? It's going to do a lot. Advent calls us to slow down, to pull back, to enter into the darkness of night and light a candle as a reminder that we're not alone. So I want us to look at a bit of a different story at the end of Luke's gospel about two people who were not immediately aware of Jesus' presence. And this comes from Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. And you may know it as as the Emmaus Road story. So this is at the end of Jesus' life, and actually Jesus has just been killed, and he's been buried. And these two guys are walking along the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And the text reads, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish are you? How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. I love that story. That's so hopeful and what i love about it is they're walking along and their heads are spinning 
they're thinking, how can this be? And the way that I kind of make sense of this in my mind, I picture a superhero film. I'm not a huge fan. I can't get into the details. But I'm picturing, like, this superhero film where you have the, the hero and he, he's expected to win. And then he gets killed at the end of the movie. And you're kind of sitting there thinking, what just happened? And then you're thinking, this can't be true because there's supposed to be sequels. I've heard it in the news. And the credits start rolling. And you're like, no, like what? And then right at the end of the credits, just as they stop, it zooms back into the guy laying there. And his eyes open. You're like, oh, there's more. And then it cuts away again. That's kind of what's happening here. They're just like, they're walking along this road. And they're just kind of like, oh, man. Like, we had hoped that he was going to be everything that he said he was. We, we thought this was the case, but we can't make sense of this. And then suddenly, as they're sitting down for a meal with Jesus, as they're slowing down from the biz busyness and even the busyness of their mind, and they're breaking bread, they instantly realize it's Jesus. And then he's gone. But what's even crazier is that just a few verses later, it says that these guys rush back to Jerusalem. They're telling the disciples what they just saw. And as they're telling them the story of what they just saw, Jesus suddenly appears among them, among all of them. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I love it because, of course, these guys are terrified. But Jesus says, look at me, touch me, the, the holes in my hands. I, I'm present with you. I'm, I'm alive. And this is what Advent is about. As much as we're journeying with the original story of the birth of Jesus, we're also on this journey of preparing for his second coming. Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is coming back. And he's saying, peace be with you. I'm present with you. I'm walking with you. And in the new year, we're actually going to be journeying through the book of Acts. and We'll be looking at how the believers and the followers of Jesus are then left and given and filled with the Holy Spirit, which empowers them to be able to go out and continue on in Jesus' ministry. But I love this, this picture of just him disappearing and then suddenly coming back saying, peace be with you. And I think where it just gave me so much hope this week is that as I ran from meeting to meeting and tried to manage this ever-growing to-do list, only to feel as though I kept falling further and further behind, it encouraged me to stop and ask myself, what is my busyness costing not only me, but the people around me? What evidences of God's work Am I too busy to notice? How is busyness robbing me of the presence in the community where God's placed me? Because you can't be present and busy. Advent is a season for presence, to be present with one another, to be present at family gatherings, but also to become aware of God's presence and what he's doing in our midst. Advent invites us to experience the peace that has been delivered to this world, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us. But for some weird reason, if you're like me, it seems easier to live frantically and restlessly 
rather than slow down and build time to be present. And that's probably because it doesn't build my reputation or my ego. But on top of that, it involves going against the cultural pressure to rush, even when there's no reason to. You can't be present in business. So tonight, I'm embracing Advent. I'm accepting the invitation to slow down. I'm accepting the gift of the Prince of Peace. And I'm going to rest easy knowing that I'm loved, I'm welcomed, I'm accepted, I belong, I matter to him. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So wherever you're at, Jesus is here with you. And he says to you, peace be with you. You too can have the everlasting peace knowing that he loves you, he accepts you, he welcomes you, and he longs for a relationship with you. You can experience the peace today, knowing that he's conquered death. And he's saying, look, I'm alive. Jesus, the son of God, walks with us. But what's more is that Jesus has also given us one another to walk with. And this is what I love most about meeting together each weekend for worship, is that it reminds me that I'm not alone that we have one another, that as I'm journeying with Christ, I have others around me who are doing the same. And just like last week, as I talked about how difficult it would be to get out of here with absolutely no lights whatsoever, but if we have one flicker of light, how that would help us navigate our way a little easier. So then if we kind of expand that picture, and we kind of each bring our own light to this table, how much brighter would that actually become? What would that look like as we pass the peace of Christ to one another? You see, as I stay connected to Christ, and then I navigate my way over to others, it's kind of like I take this flicker of, of light and this peace, and I have candles on your table. And we can keep lighting one another's candles. And, and as we continue to, to pass the peace, to extend the peace of Christ to one another, how much it lights up where we are. That as we journey together, it actually illuminates this path that we're on. Because sometimes going alone, you can somewhat get by, but when you actually stand side by side with someone else and have their light. You see, peace isn't just about the absence of war or disturbance. It's the gift of knowing we're not alone. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, nothing about our external circumstances have changed. But there's something peaceful and encouraging just about looking around the room and seeing the light the peace of Christ coming together, knowing that we're in this together. So as I wrap up, I just want to challenge you to take a couple minutes and reflect on these questions. Who are you thankful for? And where do you see God with you?
then take notice of who's around you. It could be right here in this room, or it could be someone from another aspect of your life, sibling, relative, friend, classmate, coworker. And just ask God to bring one or two people to mind in the next few minutes. And on the blank cards on your table, I'd encourage you to just write their name down. Just It could even be just a, a first name. Write their name down, and then take that home and commit to pray, praying for them with that this weekend. In the days ahead. And every time you light a candle or see a candle lit, let that be a reminder that you're not alone. Let it remind you to slow down and be present with God and with others. And then I'm going to challenge you to take this one step further. The person who comes to your mind, who you're writing down on the card, reach out to them and let them know that they're not alone. Let them know what they mean to you. Because too often we go, we go it alone. We assume the other person just knows how we feel. Because, well, they're my dad or they're my brother. And, but actually reach out to them. Let them know that they matter. Let's continue to pass the peace this Christmas to one another. Let's slow down and be present.